Welcome to After All, the cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. I'm your host, Ariel Fisher. And I'm Sylvia McCon. And welcome to the show, guys. Episode 4, Room 223. Frustrated with her lack of progress at WJM, Mary decides to sharpen her skills with a class in television journalism. Naturally, she catches the teacher's eye. So, eh... I mean, yes, that's true. She catches the teacher's eye. She dates the teacher. But it's about more than that. Yes. This episode is definitely... Yeah, it's a sideline. The episode definitely uh, covers a little bit more ground. I really liked this one. I did too. I thought it was... um, There were some more serious aspects of it that I think resonate probably with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the beginning when she says, I feel like, like... you know, one day someone's going to say, what do you do? Like, like she wasn't earning her keep. Yeah, she said she, she's worried that she succeeds more on her personality than on her merit. Right. And this all came about because Murray left in a hurry because of some domestic issue. Like, yeah. you know, the, the water heater broke down or something. I think that and was And so yeah. Mary had to stay and do... If something came through on the whatever that machine is, yeah, it was the end of the it was the end of the news broadcast, and Ted was still on the air, and things were about to wrap up. But if anything came off the prompter, if any breaking news came off, you have to type up a news bulletin lickety split and get it directly into him so that he can read it on 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 the news. That's how so it works. So you can say, just a moment, I've been handed this. I've been handed late a breaking bl- bulletin. Exactly, late breaking news. There is, and there was a fire somewhere. There was some big right. thing. And she didn't get it to him in time. Right. She, 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 she just took too long yeah. in trying to figure out her words. And I she, guess that's yes. not the time to be doing that. No. That takes quick, immediate, you have right. no time, type it up, get it in, get it out. And that's it. And she, she couldn't do it quickly enough. So Lou took it and typed it up and like da 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 just like just shot it off, got it done, ran out. And as he's running out of the room, Ted walks in. Ah, yes, it was a great show tonight. And it's like, okay, you missed your opportunity. And it was fine. Lou was patient with it. It's not, you know, it's Mm -hmm. so she kind of started feeling like maybe I could hone some of my skills. Maybe I should learn how to do this better. So she decides to go to night school. Yeah. At at, at Phyllis's request, actually. Yes. Yeah. And and good on Phyllis, because I think for for once she she hit it right on the nose. Well, not for once. Let's give Phyllis she, some credit. She may she, piss us off and sometimes be a huge pain in the ass and a little bit of a, a bit of a problematic character. However, she has this is 
the second time that I can think of that when it comes to Mary making a decision about her professional life has given her very sound, very to the point. Yeah, very pragmatic very, advice. Very pragmatic yeah. advice. First, when she sure. was uh, when she was offered the job to produce yes. the uh, in season one, she was yeah. offered the job to produce the women's television show. And it was it would have been more money, but she didn't want to leave her current job. But Lou couldn't match her salary. So she said, well, you have to you have to tell him either you match my salary or I have to leave. I because that's just the way it goes. Right. So here she's had, you know, that great advice again that there's it's it's a great idea to go and improve and, and want to improve upon yourself in some way, shape or form. Women should always want to go back to school, learn more mm-hmm. skills so that they can put themselves into the job market more. And at that time. That's a huge deal. It is because most women were still not working by choice. Yeah. The ones that worked were out of necessity. Exactly. And, and it, the rest were home. Yep. Yeah. Or working to get married. You know, it's yes. like going to university to get married. You go to right. work to meet eligible men to get married mm-hmm. and not work. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it's... This was occurring to me while I was watching it. Specifically, this episode, actually, it was quite appropriate. Um, and, Mom, you haven't watched this show yet, but on Amazon Prime, they have they had a sick, uh, a show in, in 2015. It only lasted one season called Good Girls Revolt. I was telling you about it a little bit earlier. If, if you haven't watched it before, I implore you... Go get a, get an account on Amazon Prime. It's worth it for The Marvelous Miss Maisel and for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that alone. I haven't even been to explore any of the other content yet because I've just been watching these on repeat because they're so good. Um, but go to Amazon Prime and watch Good Girls Revolt. And what it's about is a, it's about a newsroom. It's a fictional uh, newsroom, a, fiction, a fictional magazine called News of the Week, supposed to be Newsweek where the women are all researchers and they're not allowed to write. This is in 1969-1970. So it's it it happens at the transition from 69 to 70. And so these women uh file a claim with the ACLU that they should be allowed to uh that they they it based on the civil rights laws passed in 64, it is legally it is against the law for them to be prohibited from doing the same work as men and for them to not be paid the same as men. Mm-hmm. And their disparity was apparently, like, they, they say, they, they talk about the, the pay difference. And some of the men that are writers at the time were making, like, 21000 a year. And one of the women says, wow. that's three times what I'm Absolutely. making. And that's unfathomable. Yeah. So it's... But it's really fascinating, and you meet all of these rich, interesting characters, these women from different factions, um, who some of them are so deeply ingrained in the system that they think, well, if I just work harder, and if I earn, I can earn promotions on merit, and if I play their game, they will give me opportunities to write and to produce content. And given that this is literally at the exact same time that the Mary Tyler Moore show is, 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 is... Take taking place, place yeah. Yeah. at the same, same time, time and is being made at the same time that this show is set. It's so timely. It's very timely that I've just finished watching the series, right. and it was canceled, unfortunately. So if if you go and watch it, I you know they almost rebooted it for a second season. So I think if the more people watch it and by popular demand, it can be brought back. So go watch it and demand because it's worth Cause demanding. It's amazing. 
but it's this whole idea of earning things on merit is is really well, it's not good but the idea that Mary is in a position where not only is she being given the opportunity to create more content, not only was she immediately hired as an associate producer over being positioned as a secretary without any question, mm -hmm. but she wants the opportunity to go to school to get a better education so she can be better at her job and no one bats an eye. Yeah. It's like, well, of course you should. Yes. That's that sounds like a great idea. And Marie is talking to her about her assignments and like wanting to give her feedback. Of course, all the feedback he's going to give is it's positive, positive because, because he never says anything negative about Mary because no. he thinks the sun shines out of her ass. But I don't think he says anything negative about anyone that's not Ted. That's true. Like I, he, he's a, he's, he's just a very positive guy. He's a very positive very guy. I, I like him. I think he's a he's a mensch. So it's really nice to see that like thinking about Good Girls Revolt and all of the terrible things that they had to work through at the time. And this is a period drama, right? It's still fiction. Right. But at the same time, it's based on reality. It's based on a real time and a real place and real human beings and how they lived. So it gave me a really interesting context having that in mind while watching this episode right. to think about just how revolutionary it was at the time for Mary to a be given that much responsibility as as associate producer b be given that much responsibility to handle a man's job mm. without notice True. and c to be encouraged to go back to school to learn how to be better at the job she already has. Like that, I mean, and stop me if I'm wrong, you would know better than me, but at the time, for 1971, that seems pretty revolutionary. I, and, I, and I would agree. Um, I'm trying to think how things were when I, so when I started working and granted I worked in mostly a female dominated profession mm -hmm. in lab and I started working in 1977 so that was several years later and that was a real transition period um, and we were highly encouraged to take courses having said that this is science and in science you keep up yeah. you don't stop learning ever mm -hmm. so the so it's a, so I, I it's hard for me to say that it's a trend and that by the time I came along and started working that that was the norm because I think it probably would have been the norm uh, in my field prior to that as well. Whether I mean, you were a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. Whether you were a man or a woman. Having said that, I think men took all the positions of responsibility and the women were generally the in the more <laughs> subservient. Um, they were the lab techs as opposed to the doctors. Well, they were the lab techs as opposed to the lab managers. Right. Right. Um, but, yeah, it is it is unusual, I would say, in a newsroom, which you expect it to be an old boys club, mm -hmm. for people to encourage Mary to go back to school and take classes. Having said that, she does it on her own time and on her own dime, I suspect. Oh, for sure. So this is not like, we'll keep you employed while you go and get an MBA. Uh, type of setup. 
Yeah, it's not a pro- it's not a professional incentive. It's not like they're monetizing. Like they're not funding. They're her. not funding her her extracurricular <laughs> uh, um, education. Mm-hmm. But that's neither here nor there. I think it's I think it is a very positive thing to see. It's probably, but that's probably not something that was happening much at the time, anyways. Whether you were male or female. Uh, continuing ed funding someone's continuing oh, funding. ed while they were working no i would th- and and really the, the 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 mba is the classic one that i think that a lot of companies will hold your job and you can go and get an mba while you're working you've been working there for a couple of years and you do that sort of thing uh, other professions i i can't really say i mm-hmm. don't know but um, but she does go to college. She does go to college. And so does Rhoda. Night to night school, yes. Rhoda and Rhoda tags along. And Rhoda tags along because in her <clears throat> words, Rhoda tags along because Mary is the golden girl and he she gets sprinkled with pixie dust and all good things happen when Mary is around. So if Rhoda goes along for the ride, maybe she'll catch an off like a yeah, off, uh, spray uh, a sprinkle of pixie dust yeah. may fall on her shoulders and good things might happen. So they go to this class, <clears throat> and of course the teacher's adorable, and of course he takes a liking to Mary, and of course, of course, of course, of course, a horse, of course. But the the interesting thing that happens, I find, can, comes closer to the end of the episode. Like, Mary volunteers Lou to come and do a talk, and he's very short and to the point about everything, which is kind of fun, too, because when people are asking... You know, people are asking questions and one guy asks, you know, are there any jobs available in, in journalism today? Or like, are there many jobs, something to that effect? Are there many writing jobs in journalism today? And, and his short answer is no. no. Like he's so curt and to the point. And it's funny because that dialogue has not changed. No. If anything, it's gotten worse. Yeah. Like I remember when I was taking meetings with people to try and get into film journalism and writing about movies and everything. And the first question any of them would ask me is why are you doing this are to you yourself a crazy person? yeah and if you know asking can i can i make this work and every single one of them said no and every single one of them said don't you're never going to make a living just doing that ever it will no never happen through no fault of your own through no fault of my own through no, no fault of or mark of ability or a lack thereof no. the times and the times have changed. Once upon a time, you could become a staff critic. Uh, that has changed, and the jobs have dwindled. Mm-hmm. Even then, the jobs were scarce. It was hard to get work mm-hmm. in a newsroom or in at a magazine or at a newspaper. Uh, it was easier. It is now infinitely harder. Next, right. Damn near impossible. But it's... It was really refreshing to see that kind of a conversation happen, happening. And then Mary is held to a really high standard, which she was not prepared for. And that made me incredibly happy. Kind uh-huh. of. Because there's, you know, he, he, she gets a C plus on an, on an assignment. An assignment that, if she weren't working in the field, would have probably garnered her an A. That's right. And she's upset and she questions it. And it's, you know, when you work in the industry, when you... When you are considerably more experienced than... Than the lady who's taking the class because ceramics was full up? Exactly. Yes. Then you're held to a higher standard. And that's fair. And that's, and that's amazing. Like, yeah. I really... It's, it's not an unfair standard to hold no. someone to. If anything, it's, it's putting Mary in a position where 
she came there to improve her skills. She came there to hone her skills, to get better, to grow, to learn. And this teacher is, is holding her to that and yeah. is pushing her. Well, he said, you are, she, she is average and you are an average professional. Yes. So he prefaces, or, you know, he qualifies average by saying you're an average professional. You're not an average member of the public. Exactly. Right? And so that makes a difference. And I suspect that Mary is the kind of person who got straight A's throughout her entire life in yep. everything she ever undertook. Yep. So this is probably uh, a little bit jarring for her to get an average mark. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's something that I encountered a lot in university. Well, sometimes if you are capable of doing better work, you'll be graded on a different scale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I got really good grades for the first little while and then my grades started to slip, it would be because... My work, it wouldn't be because my work was getting worse. It would be because my work wasn't improving. But the work that I had done showed evidence that I was capable of more. Mm -hmm. And that happened to some other students as well. I mean, there were obviously there, there are always instances of really unfair grading and that, and that happened too. But it's, it's, it's nice to be pushed and it's nice to welcome that kind of a push. Like it's, you don't want things to be so easy that you that you breeze through it no because then you don't learn anything exactly and if you know if you're getting straight a's through all of your through all of your courses then you're not then there's no room for growth right and you won't grow well exactly you can only go so high right Mm -hmm. so if you establish where you are and i it's it strikes me and very much so in relation to something like Good, good girls revolt how important it is for that kind of image, that kind of representation. Not just that Mary's going back to school and people encourage it, but that she's being pushed to succeed. It's not just that, oh, sure thing, sweetie, we'll get you that promotion. They're not uh, No, get or... us some coffee. Yeah. It's not, it's not that misogynistic double talk of, yeah, maybe one day you can work towards this. Now go do that. Now go do that. Now go do that. Make sure your skirt's shorter. Make sure you're getting the coffee ready in time. Yeah. Do everything for everyone and look sexy while you're doing it, and that's it. So it's it's very much this image of a, a professional woman being taken seriously and incur- being encouraged to succeed. Mm-hmm. That that that's an important image to see now. It is so even more so than exactly. I was going to mention something, and it has to do with the previous episode that we that we just finished, the one about the Mexican waiter. Right. And one of the things that I noticed that that I thought was very good, <clears throat> because you don't hear a lot about the content of the work that Mary does. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. She's there. She answers phones. She ruffled, you know, shuffles papers around, and you don't know, like the guts of what she does. Mm-hmm. But because they were going away on a vacation, she had put everything on a list about what needed to be done <clears throat> that she was doing. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, a program log and a this and a that and all these things. And that they at least used some technical enough words that you felt like she got the meat of what she does. What she does. Mm-hmm. And she's so organized that she then had it all ready for whoever might be doing it while she was away. And mm-hmm. I thought, good on you. You know, I'm, I was impressed that yeah. they put that little bit into the show and then it turned into a bit of a gag about, well, who taught you how to do that? And she said, well, Murray taught me. 
because no, Mr. I, Grant, yeah. yeah, Mr. Grant was like, no, well, I told you when you came here, and I was like, well, no, you didn't. It was May, it was Murray, and then it w- he was actually doing it wrong, and I taught him how to do it properly. So, mm-hmm. so obviously she has skills. Yes, and she certainly has organizational skills. Like she's a she's she's, she's a, a woman after our own heart. She is indeed. Yes. <laughs> so, but I just thought I'd I'd throw that in because it it. It kind of stood out to me that she is, she she does get into the meat and potatoes of the work that she does mm-hmm. in, in a good way. Oh, yeah. Very mm-hmm. much so. And she wants to do better and she wants to grow and she, yeah. and she, but she already is quite knowledgeable. It's like when she's, uh, I loved it, but when she's sitting in class when they first get there and the teacher is talking about, I, uh, I think the difference in, in journalistic tone whether it's uh, more kind of professional or more personal and getting into different styles. And she has this, she, she's smiling and kind of like holding her, her hand to her face and, and nodding along like really, like really vigorously. Like, like she's so excited about what he's talking about. Because she knows about yes. it. And because she's yes. connecting with the information and she knows the information. She knows exactly what he's talking about and she wants to engage with him about it. Mm-hmm. And I've felt that and I've had that and there is nothing more. It's a, so nice. It's so, it's so, it's so nice. satisfying. It's so satisfying yeah. to be participating with or engaging with someone who knows just as much as you about something. Yeah. And is your equal on it. And when you can go head to head with them or, you know, have a discourse on it in a real way that doesn't involve, you know, backstepping and explaining or teaching. And I think in this particular classroom, probably herself and the teacher were on equal footing and everyone else was not. Exactly. Exactly. And I've been there. I felt that. I've been in her shoes before when that's happened. And it was... You know, it's it's so nice to be given that opportunity, but it's also, I find, incredibly rare sometimes. Yeah. In a way that's really frustrating. Um, like, I, 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 I am personally satisfied in my life, but I am professionally unsatisfied. Because you can do more. I can do so much more. Right. And I am capable of a lot. And even if it's not something that I have any direct immediate any direct immediate experience with I am a very fast learner Mm -hmm. and I like picking up new skills and Mm -hmm. going cool what's what's a b and c oh it's this that and the other cool okay how do you do that show me a template I've got it let's go let's do this it's fun Um, exactly learning is fun exactly and learning to do is fun and learning to connect things other things that you may have learned in the past other skills Mm -hmm. And, you know, the whole concept of transferable skills or uh, skills that augment skills you already have. Exactly. Is fabulous. It is, completely. And it's it's a luxury that I still find is not afforded very many women. And you think it's specific to women? Yes. You do? Yes, absolutely. There are things that I have to do on a day-to-day basis that are mundane things that literally any human can do. But they're passed off to me because, and I quote, well, I'm never going to get this straight. You can do it. You can just take care of it. Because it's, and this is by men. It's it's tedious little... Joe Jobs. Joe Jobs yeah. are deemed insignificant for the higher-ups. And mm-hmm. when the higher-ups are all men, 
even less so. So they hand off the odd little bits and bobs, the odds and ends, the things that are deemed beneath them to the underlings. And when all of the underlings are female, it's really hard not to see a trend. Right. So it just, I, I would give my left foot for the work environment that Mary has. Mm-hmm. I have that in my personal life. I have that yes. with my partner. I have that with you. Mm-hmm. I have that with the freelance copywriting that I do. I have that with the freelance writing that I do, where I can engage with these people in a way that makes me feel like they are my equal or that they are teaching me something and I can learn from them and grow. Mm-hmm. So it would just be nice if it could be everywhere else. But unfortunately, it'll come. It'll come. It'll come. Yeah. Have patience. Did you ever feel that way in, in a professional job? environment? Yes. Um, let me let, let me backtrack here. I have felt dissatisfied with my with my professional life on a number of occasions, mm-hmm. and for certain you know for reasons that were out of my control, like I needed to put food on the table and pay the mortgage, mm-hmm. I stuck with it. So there were times when I felt like I hate what I'm doing, um, and I don't like how I'm being treated, and I'm underemployed. And, and, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, absolutely, those things happen. Um, and it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not a nice place to be. No. You, when you spend eight hours a day or more doing something that you are not happy, you don't hate it, but you don't love it. And, and little things annoy you because they seem unfair or they seem just drudgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ideal job to me is one where, if this is what you like, where you're so engaged in what you're doing, you're so immersed in what you're doing, that it takes every neuron in your brain to do the work. And you look at your watch and like six hours have passed and you go, how did that happen? Yeah. So that for me, that's the kind of environment that I would like. Oh, same. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Where you're busy, you're you're literally going you're intellectually nonstop. so busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it you're doesn't just... it doesn't have to be a physical busyness. It can be an intellectual busyness. Well, exactly. Yeah, and you're just going, 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 and you don't stop until you look up, and all of a sudden, half the day's gone. Right, yeah. like you said, yeah. like it's yeah, and you that's... feel very accomplished and exhausted in a good way. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, if only, if only it'll come. It'll come. It'll come. It'll come. Well, that was. A fairly simple and straightforward yeah, one. For but nice. But a nice. nice. Episode. I enjoyed it. So, so far we're doing pretty well with season two. Next week, a girl's best mother is not her friend. <laughs> Alrighty. Rhoda's visiting mother decides to become Rhoda's, quote, friend. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. So we see the return of Nancy Walker I love as her. Ida Morgenstern. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. Oh, and we get to see some Bess in this one. I'm excited. Oh. We don't see enough of Bess. No, I love Bess too. So it'll be really exciting to get to see Bess. So next week, we have episode five, A Girl's Best Mother is Not Her Friend. Mm. I just, I'm going to preface, I disagree. <laughs> Case in point. Thank you, my darling. I disagree. So in the meantime, if you uh, want to keep in touch, by all means, we love to hear from you. Reach out. You can find us on social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at After All Podcast. You can also reach out via email. We're available by uh, at 
if I could speak, that would be helpful. Um, after all podcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, please head on over to iTunes where you can and totally should rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Every little bit helps the show become a little bit more visible. So uh, give us a little bit of a star rating, whatever you think we deserve. Write a tiny little blurb what you think of the show, how you're liking the show, what you hope to see on the show. And uh, hit subscribe, that way you'll never miss an episode. And until next time. <laughs>